Talofa, Talofa Lava, all, and welcome to IQ Talanoa, Talanoa on air. I am Mata Neil Mangalei, and in the studio with me, I have Maureen Pepuleai. Hey, everyone. Talofa, sis, and welcome, everyone, to our show tonight. Our show tonight is My Education Story as a First-Generation Immigrant Learner of Samoan Immigrant Parents. How cool is that? I know, right? Your I education story. Background. Gorgeous. Choo-hoo! All right. Beautiful. Let's start off today, please, Maureen, with a gratitude round. Let's start with you, my dear. What are you grateful for today? Oh, thank you, Neil. Um, So I'm just going to share something that my church is doing. I belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, yesterday morning, our prophet Russell M. Nelson invited us to keep a gratitude journal online for the next seven days. And each day to write down something to share in social media about something that we are grateful for. So... um, For today, I would like to share that my mother-in-law passed away recently and we buried her this week. And Mm. I'm so grateful for family. When I watched Mm. how my daughters and my son were able to support their dad and um, support their aunties and and uncles who are here in New Zealand, because the majority of of Grandma Fa'i'u's family are in Australia, so they were not able to be here. And yet the family came together with love, with harmony, and it just made Grandma's final day here so beautiful. Mm. So I'm grateful for the love that family members find to share with each other in times of grief and sadness. Wow. Beautiful. There's a song playing, so I'm just... Sorry? Yeah, okay. Uh, what am I grateful for today? I'm grateful that I've got health and strength, that mm-hmm. yesterday we had football training and um, I play for Papa Toy Toy Wildcats. And this is American football? This Red is Iron. American football mm, in nice. preparation for pads, which will come out next week. And so with that, we've, um, we're trying to, what's the word, um, size ourselves up against another person so I was up against my 17 year old daughter which was quite scary <laughs> but um, she was kind enough to realise that her mum was not as strong as you know she Old tries lady. to make out to be and so of Old course alert. she was um, giving me even though it was supposed to be only like 30% on training no, it felt like 100% and so I have bruises to sh- what I'm grateful for is that I still have my health and strength today that I could walk and get to doing um, like go to church today and then enjoy being also with my family like I heard you sharing about your family and sorry about your um, mother-in-law but it's she's in a better place now isn't she absolutely she'd been suffering health for a while but it also made me think of all the beautiful mamas and papas and loved ones who we lost during the COVID lockdowns Mm. and how people were not able to you know to be with their loved ones in right, their last right. hours. So I'm very grateful that New Zealand is in a position today where we can share of and course, um, share course. that love with our loved ones in these times. So with that, did we have a song that we were going to share? Rhea? We do have a song to start off our program, Neil, and this song is by Andra Day. Mm. And she is um, encouraging us 
to rise up regardless of the things that we may go through in life and the challenges. Andre Day, do your thing, girl. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. You can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we can walk it out. We gon' walk it out and move on dance. I will rise a thousand 
Wow. Rise Up by Andra Day. Beautiful. Now, Andra wrote that as a reminder to herself to rise up uh-huh. above anything that tries to drag you down, um, anything that you know makes you sad, that you have the ability to rise up every single day. So now I'd like to introduce our um, presenter for today, Mata Neil Fiangai Maleata. Mangalei, my sister, and um, her colleagues and other people call her Mata Neil. At home, we call her Neil, N-I-U for short. So if you hear me saying Neil all the time, then you know I'm just uh, calling my sister by her nickname. So Mata Mm. Neil, the microphone is yours. She is going to share her education story as a first-generation immigrant learner of Samoan immigrant parents. Thank you, Maureen. Um, all right, so my journey in education, we I was born in Wellington, so kindy for me started in a little preschool, um, bottom end of Cannons Creek for those out in Porirua. The Creek, oh yeah, yes. shout out to the shout Creek. Shout out to the Porirua-ians down there. But you know, my, um, my start there, I actually lost my identity because teachers had a difficult time pronouncing my name, Mata Neil. I mean, they even went back to mother and said, uh, can you give her a different name? So luckily mum worked and um, with other people that had Balangi names. And so Tracy was the name given to me. So all of my education life up until the end of high school, no, actually through training college, I used the name Tracy because I didn't understand why I didn't have Tracy in any of my records except for schooling. Um, so eager to please, I take I took on the name Tracy and that's what I went through school with. Um, now you've got to remember being a first generation person here in this country, my parents were very traditional. They did not allow us, well TV was there in the home, I mean I think it came a little bit later than um, primary, in the later years of primary school we got a TV but the English that we heard was something that we couldn't bring home with us. If we were caught, or my father or mother heard us speaking any English because we're trying to pronounce it or say it to our friends, who are Cook Island, by the way, not Samoan. And on the other side, they were not Samoan either. I don't know what nationality they were, but we weren't allowed to speak some, I mean, English to them. We were told to speak to them in Samoan and that they also in turn would talk back to us in their language and, you know, I don't know how we learned to play with each other, but that's how it was for us trying to grow up in the dual language situation that we had. So being in school, I had teachers that would speak slowly to me. I would recall some of them even speaking louder because I was the English language was new to me, but more importantly, they thought that maybe speaking louder, it would make more sense. So I... Left kindy thinking, okay, all I remembered about kindy was sliced apples because that was a thing for us to have a snack. And I'm like, why are you slicing up an apple? Just give me my own apple and I don't have to have anyone else touching my apples. But that was a a new different cultural um, introduction to learning how to share with your peers. So uh, kindy for me was lots of food and teachers speaking slower or louder. Starting primary school, I as then, well as oh, calling you Tracy, yes, and to make the, it easier for them because Mata Neil 
was too difficult for yes, them. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. So they, in essence, re-identified you, mm. reclassified you from Tracy yeah. to Tracy from Matanil. Mm. Wow. So, um, yes, that was weird. Um, my sister also had to lose her name, which um, became Jennifer, and that's a name that stuck with her for me with the same for the same the same reason because Tali A was also difficult to pronounce. Can I ask you a question, mm. please, Neil? So, where does the name Mata Neil come from? Wow, that's a historical question on the Samoan history side. It is part of a long name. The full name Mata Neil Fenge Maleata is from Sapapali'i, where it's believed the London Mission Society Church originally landed in Samoa, and with that, the message of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, rather, I mean, to go into more depth of it, that's the whole name was given to commemorate that day where Christianity came to Samoa. Mataniu Maleata. Yes. So, how did that name come down to you? My grandmother is Mataniu Fenge Maleata, who's Genealogy traces back to that very village, to that very day. So, yes, a chance for me to also find my genealogy and trace my roots back to that time because only people of that village should have that name or the genealogy line follows through. So that's a good way to trace my mm. family genealogy. So that magnificent name, Mata Niofengai Maleata, mm. was reduced down to Tracy, Tracy. for convenience. Yes. Yes. Okay. Sorry, keep, no, keep yeah, going. Okay, with let's story. go into my primary schooling, right? So we started, I started primary school in Wellington, but it wasn't until I'd come up to Auckland that I actually realised that I loved reading. So with that, I had a school teacher, um, I think he was a year four teacher, uh, my first male teacher who spoke to me like I was not um, bilingual. He spoke to me and he introduced to me the Greek mythology of Jason and the Golden Fleece. And in all my understanding, I never knew that there were people that lived not far from us. Well, obviously in the world map, it didn't look that far, but that they fought dragons, they fought one-eyed monsters. They just went on all these amazing trips and he was a hero to them. And in my mind, I thought, we've got a hero yeah, and it wasn't until obviously recently now we've seen Maui and the way that he's the hero in um, Moana. But I, all I could think of was, I love this guy, Jason, and the Golden Fleece. And so, of course, all my wannabe boyfriends at that time were the white boys with the blonde hair. But that was just the, the fact of loving Jason and the Golden Fleece and what that brought me to bring open my eyes to another world outside of where I was living. So can I ask, Neil, are you saying that in year four with mm. this teacher, mm. was that your first introduction to Indigenous uh, stories? Yes, mm. yes. I mean, we did have Grandma living with us for a while and she would tell us some whangongos, which were Sina and Tuna. But, but in it the was, education system, yeah. it wasn't until year four that Indigenous stories, which were Greek, you know, mm-hmm. Greek mythology, Greek nothing pasvika, yes, you're wow. right. right. So that was a bit sad, but um, with that, it then took me into high school where Papatoi High, Southside, representing us, we had the chance to educate not only um, not only be educated, but then we had a 
PI group, which allowed me to look at my own culture and say, hey, I've got something to share back. I don't have to just take, take, take. There's something that is mine that I can share with others. So that wasn't in a classroom setting, but that felt so much more natural because I could feel rhythm, I could feel beats, I could, you know, actually be who I really was, even though I was still Tracy, but it was a chance for me to learn about the the Western culture as well as explore my own Samoan Pacifica culture. So high school really allowed me to do that. So it sounds like um, high school allowed you to bring that part of you which had been lost in kindy and to be celebrated in high school through the PI group. Yes, yes, you're right. So that was, um, it was through high school too that I had teachers tell me what they thought I was good at, which I guess I never thought I was good at anything other than go to school and eat my lunch. But um, Mm -hmm. I I did find a teacher who told me, hey, you're really good at talking. And I think I was a bit of a talker. I was often asked to go sit at the back of the room because I chatted a little bit. That kind of talker. Not so much an oratory. Um, Social butterfly, Social butterfly, yes. But then those are skills that really helped me when I signed up for teacher training college. And right. I realized that I actually do like talking and I can talk people's ears off all the time. Oh, yes, you can. And then with that, it came the chance for um, my identity to come back to me. So I had a, a fellow colleague who was a single mum, I believe, and she turned to me and she said, what name is going on your certificate? And I said, oh, the name I've had all my life. She says, um, is it Tracy? Because where does Tracy come from? Hmm. And from that, I, I actually, I looked at it and I thought, I was given this name. I don't know why I'm getting emotional, but now thinking about it, she helped me realise that I'd lost my identity and then I was getting it back. Absolutely, yes. And so on the certificate, I had my Samoan name and the lecturer said, is there no easier way to pronounce it? Is there no other way that I can say this? She had to practice a long time to say my name. But she did it. She did it well that day. And I was just grateful that I had my name on the certificate. You which, were back. Um, yes, I'd won it back. And so um, that all came through because of that cultural group that ignited that cultural spirit within me. And gave you that courage? Yeah, definitely the courage to help me see that I wasn't, this label I was given, Mm. I'm more than that. And so fast forwarding it to um, a little bit more into my education, I did finish my training college. On the last year of my certification, my father sadly passed on and so left my mother in the islands by herself. Mm. So as I handed in my resignation to my principal to say, I've got to go join my mother, they were all freaking out. When I say they all, the principal, the deputy principal, my team and the teachers of the school were saying, why would you return to Samoa? Their education system is backwards. New Zealand is the place for your career to grow forward. Mm. I couldn't say anything to that except my mother needs me and I need to leave. So having followed that prompting, I did go to join my mother and three years later, we were given the opportunity to go to BYU Hawaii and further our studies and get a degree 
Wow. With our tea soul there, which beautiful. was such a blessing. So beautiful. You know, so I'm thinking I've come from where I've come and I'm now living away from home. Mm. I'm roommates with my mother. Wow, that must have been a real party. (laughs) That was. I'm sure she partied more than I did, but Mm -hmm. that's okay because I went there for schooling. I went there to eat my lunch, not. Yes, but you know, the the gorgeous thing about it was I had the chance to live outside of this country and experience an education system that embraced who you were. They embraced the whole person. They saw you, they, I mean, they just loved Kiwis, full stop, because they understood that the New Zealand system was so rigid. They were looking for teachers that were New Zealand trained. So it gave me an egg ignited within me something that, oh, I would love to teach in Hawaii. I would love to be living mm-hmm. there for a little bit longer than just for schooling. But um, with that, I had the freedom to be... You know, if if I had a class that was early in the morning, like there were some classes as early as seven in the morning, some might think that's not early, but, you know, that would obviously mean you'd go to sleep at about 11 or 12, and there would be some of those nights that those long hours long lingered longer than the 12 mm-hmm. or 1 in the morning. But, Are you um, talking about socialising here? Yes. Right. Like I said, in primary school, I was quite the social butterfly mm-hmm. and also a little bit in high school, but the freedom to be out there and choose for myself, am I going to stay in and finish my assignment today? Or actually my friends are going here and so I should go choose and be with my friends. I, I'd like to say that I always made the better decision and I stayed and did my assignments. But um, there were just the one or two off times that I did not because freedom was so new for me. I'd never had a chance, even though my roommate was my mother, and we did the same classes and the same courses together, Mm. it was um, a chance for me to... Spread your wings a bit? Yeah, and then be the rebellious child. I was never... I never had the chance to do that before, but I was able to do it. And it was under my mother's nose too, which was, you know, even more, like, power to me. Now, how old are you at this stage? Oh, I was 24, 25. So you're you're speaking, if I can just summarise a little bit, you're speaking about being um, a graduate of Teachers College here in New Zealand, Mm. then teaching, then after Papa died, you moved to Samoa to look after Mum. Then the two of you got the opportunity to move to BYU Hawaii Mm. to um, further your education, and you ended up rooming together. (laughs) But then you realised, actually, I've always been the dutiful daughter which many of us are, if you're mm. Pacific Islander. And now are you saying that this was like um, a time where you could just rebel a little bit against always having to be the dutiful daughter who did everything she was told because now you've found a little autonomy? Is that what you're saying? Oh, that's a flash word, but yes, you're right. I think the rebelliousness found me, or I found it, there in Hawaii because it just... The freedom that I had, okay, we didn't do all the same courses together. So when I had a chance to branch out and make friends or make acquaintances Mm. that were either not even Kiwi or not even Samoan and they told me their life stories, it was just a way to see the world from a bigger, wider lens than what I'd only seen in my own life experiences. For sure. And so with that, um, 
I would, you know, try follow or not even. I think I was trying to find myself. Bottom line, eh? Because mm. I, I would try a couple of things, and okay, that didn't work. I would try something different, but bottom line, I think that was my rebellious stage. Was so, going so when that. you say rebellious, um, do you think that is the correct? word to use because I'm thinking you just shared how you were the dutiful daughter done everything that your parents had really expected you to do even to the point of leaving a really good job in New Zealand to go home and look after mum in Samoa but um, when you say rebellious rebellious or do you mean just you gave yourself permission actually to choose for yourself rather than wait to be told by mum or Am I? Let me know if I'm on the wrong track. Oh yeah, I think I think that is the right word. Permission, right? Because getting, you know, always just waiting to be told what to do, or when you are, you know, reshaped to do and be what you're supposed to be and do, is is so ingrained in our minds that when I chose Mm. to do a different thing or I chose to not attend a class or I chose to not complete this assignment to the best of my ability, I would always have a sense of guilt. But then um, now I'm worried that my children are hearing this and they're going to be like, well, mum, I'm trying to find myself. (laughs) Not, Not to say that that's what I'm encouraging our younger children or those that are embarking on education for themselves, there needs to be a chance for you to find yourselves, but giving you permission and knowing that you have to face the consequences in the end. Well, I'm I'm thinking of young people today um, who are so accustomed to growing up in a rigid family culture, where especially as a Samoan, I can speak as a firstborn Samoan, uh, Tamaitai Samoa, where mum and dad made the rules and they were mm. they were the rules whether you liked right. it or not whether you're 5 15 or 55 <laughs> so they made the rules and you followed it but then once you get into a space where actually I can move a little bit more to the left mm. than I'm accustomed to without mum and dad even you know I giving permission or knowing and I can move a little bit to you know the diagonal side and we we sometimes tend not to be able I suppose to use this autonomy wisely because we've never been accustomed to it. But I, I digress. We're going to have a little music break here, um, everyone. Thank you so much, Neil. Um, we're going to play Brown Girl by Aratna. And this is a beautiful song that, when as I listen to your, listen to your story, I think, you know, this just, this song is yours. Let's go. Why my mother says to pray I pray for better days God please help them see They ain't no different from me Not above, not beneath Teach them equality I'm not just a brown girl
tones that they see more than urban R&B more than a slang that I speak close your eyes don't say a word don't speak about what you see no let's pretend that it's okay just the way the devil likes to play look in my eyes look in my eyes I can't lie, I can't lie All these years of my life Just from the outside Beautiful. That was Aratna with Brown Girl. Now, Matania is going to continue her story, her education story as a first-generation immigrant learner of Samoan immigrant parents. Thank you, Maureen. So um, I'm just going to backtrack a little bit. Before graduating, I was asked about the name that would go on my certificate. And remember, the name thing has been something that's been bothering me or has been unsettling for me from kindergarten. So mm. here I am trying to teach um, the Hawaiian lecturers now how to pronounce my name. Um, and I needed my full name on it. No Tracy in there at all whatsoever. But then a new surname because also in the last year of college, I did meet my sweetheart and he has... Yeah, he gave me, of course... Not only my beautiful last name, but then he, he's also allowed me to, well, helped me to have my the beautiful children that we have. But um, having said that, we returned to Samoa after graduation. graduating. Mm-hmm. Uh, after we graduating, yeah. After graduation, and we worked in the schools there in Samoa for a good five years. From mm. that, my husband also had a chance to work in the schools, in the PE department, and he was so, uh, what's the word, 
he was so blown away. Yes, and then enlightened and to the point where his education, I think he believed he took it for granted that after the time of us being in Samoa, he really wanted to return for school himself. Mm. So I thought, are you sure this is what we want to do? We're going to go back home and we're going to live the life of a poor student and we now have four children. Are you sure? You? Oh, we had two at that time. Right. And so with that, he said, yes, please, this is the way forward. So we returned to Hawaii. And gratefully, oh, thankfully, we had his parents there to help support us. But with that, we had our two boys and a, th- a third one on the way. And so him being a full-time student, he had a part-time job and I had to go back into the workforce. So gratefully, we had our um, parent, my parent-in-laws to help us look after the children. And the struggle that you shared last time we were on air Maureen about being a mum looking after children having to decide how to manage your time that was something new that I had never experienced myself and so that was a chance for me to have more than a couple of jobs actually there was a time I had to work three jobs I was flipping burgers at McDonald's I was cleaning in the night time and then during the days I was able to do part-time teaching in the schools there and I bring that up because teaching in American schools is very difficult or different from teaching in New Zealand schools. They mm. don't do groupings like we do here. They don't look at individual needs. There is a teacher as young as kindy that they would do one lesson, teach the lesson, and the children just follow up with worksheets. And I have found that really bizarre, hard to understand. But um, that's how their school systems are. All, they all run. So having that experience, bringing that uh, Samoa experience and then this Hawaii experience then coming back to New Zealand when Vili's school finished I was able to bring all of that to which had enriched me into being the teacher that I am today hmm. so um, I remember our, our very first month of being back in New Zealand we'd arrived in September and the first thing I remember my children saying is mum I can see my breath And I'm thinking, what do you mean you can see your breath? They'd never seen their breath before, obviously because the Hawaii weather is just so beautifully (laughs) sunny. But we were just coming into the wintertime. Right. And so first of all, the grass was covered in the... um, So that would have been spring, September? Oh, yes. And so the frosts... The frosty frosty grass in the morning and the fact that they could see their breath was really amazing for them. So that was new for them. But for me in the classroom, I had a accumulated so much knowledge having taught in different places Mm. and in different schools but also my own experience of not only being a mum and then being a home mum and then part-time mum with having worked several jobs it was a chance for me to finally get into my career and I remember my young I'm sorry I remember meeting a young a young person in the library when we just arrived um, I'm go- I hope he doesn't mind. I'm going to mention his name, Elliot. Hi, Elliot. Hi, Elliot. If you're listening, I really want you to know this. I'd met you in the library. And to that, you just kept looking at me and you were smiling. I had no idea what, what you were smiling about because I was trying to chase my two boys and make sure the two girls were with me at the same time just to check out our library box and everything. And, and then you I- had no idea who Elliot is, right? No, I didn't even see his name badge because obviously he worked at the library. And to that he says, um, are you Miss Fipuliai? 
And so he said my name really well, and I thought, oh, I must know this kid. He looks, he looks like I don't know. I mean, he looks like a boy I have never met before. But then he says, you were my year three, no, year five teacher when mm. I was first posted as a teacher out of Manurewa. And so, you know, it's those moments when you see a child that has now grown up to be an adult and he says to me, I'm training to be a teacher myself because I love the way you taught me. Wow. Yeah. And that's what it's for, right? That's why I, it helped me remember on the days when things don't go well mm. or when you wake up and you think, am I even doing this for what I love? Is this really what mm-hmm. I love? Do I want to go back and face those terrible 30-plus kids and just get another headache? But then Elliot comes back to my mind every time. So, Elliot, if you're out there, my darling, I wish you all the best. Hopefully you're already in a school and being amazing to those children who will absolutely adore you. So can I ask, Neil, um, you've talked about, you know, when you have your bad days with teaching and do I want to go out and face... Is there... I wonder, you entered teaching, it sounds like, because of your communication skills and it sounds like you love teaching, Mm. but do you think it's a systematic failure where teachers are having days like, do I want to go back? Do Do I want to face you know, these 30-plus children in the classroom. What do you think is causing this kind of angst with our teachers today? You know, that's a really awesome question, Reen. Um, I would have to say teaching is really only maybe 20% of our time in the classroom. The rest of it is paperwork. And this is from and your personal from experience. Personal yes. I wish I could just go into a classroom and teach but then there's no real use of you being able to teach if you're, you've got paperwork and you've got... And, and when I say paperwork, with individual children, there are so many needs that come with each of them and you understanding what they are and then to cater to their needs. There's mm. so much that you must not only record and keep note of or make anecdotal notes and then identify what's happening at different times with individual children Mm. and then being able to create that plan for them so that every day they've got something to go forward with. I really would love to just work with individual children that have those specific needs, which gratefully now, my position that I have now, I have that opportunity. But being in a classroom when you have 30 or even more than 30 children, a teacher needing to keep track of each child with all their learning needs and be informative with their parents, it's a lot to carry. On top of the paperwork that you do before, during and after after school school hours. Right, so I even remember my children would say, Mum, let me just get you a cot, a blanket and a pillow because you're at the school longer than you are at home. When you were a classroom teacher. When I wasn't a classroom teacher. Um. And I, that was a, a, a wake-up call for me mm. because I wanted to make sure that I was also being a mum. But I knew I was an absent parent for many, many years only because I had to, I had to earn a living, right? And I wasn't comfortable in just doing the bare minimum. I wanted to make sure that I gave to these children in my class every possible part of me and every po- possible part of the curriculum 
so that at the end of the day I could feel good about going home and knowing that I'd done my best. And maybe that is a little overboard for for a teacher, but I would want the same thing for my children. Absolutely. Yes, I understand. Now, you talked about parents. You mentioned mm. parents very briefly. In your experience as a Pacifica teacher, a Pacifica parent as well, and um, someone who is taught in the American system, the Samoan system, and now in Aotearoa, New Zealand, what advice can you give for our parents who may be struggling to um, understand the current education system? I'll, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. When I would go to parent-teacher interviews, yeah. all I would get is, oh, your, your son is just brilliant, so well-behaved. and It didn't tell me how they were doing in school. Mm. And then I would get a school report. One of the school report comments mm. for my daughter was, for physical education, explosive leg power. Oh. What does that tell me? You know. So, how? What is your advice to parents, as Pasifika as well, and learning to communicate with the school mm. better, or is that the school's responsibility to reach out to our parents? Oh, that's an awesome question. First of all, congratulations to your daughter with explosive leg. Congratulations, power. baby. I won't say your name. Jordan. Right. Well. <laughs> With that, um, the role of the teacher is the supposed to be the go-between to allow the parents to understand what's happening in the classroom. But if a te- if a parent doesn't understand, and that's unfortunately what a lot of our Pacifica families are like, mm. they will sit there, smile, and then nod, just yes. obviously mm-hmm. nod their head yes because they're more than happy to have a good report, even if what's coming through is that they're not achieving or they're not at a certain level. But they see their teacher as happy. So in the parent's mind, they in turn think that their child is doing well. But um, there's a lot of... Well, we've gone through national standards when national was in government and now thankfully it's gone. But with the standards that we have now, we still have... um, posts or levels that children have to attain and hopefully the parent is comfortable enough to say to the teacher mm. or please I don't know what this means I don't I don't understand what these little pictures or these levers show me I please tell me but a lot of our parents don't say that I remember a new way and dad walking in in his shorts, it's obvious that he was upset to be there. Hmm. But his daughter had made it really clear that if he hadn't come to parent-teacher night that night, that she would have um, probably had to do lines or something. I don't know what I told my class that, that week. But so he walked in and his first comment to me was, listen, I don't want to be in this school. I don't want to be here. But my daughter has told me that she wants me to come. So tell me, why should I be here? And so I just forgot the daughter and I said, well, I'm sorry that you didn't have a good education system or program for your time, but that's now going to hinder your own daughter. If you really love your daughter, be patient, listen to her and let her tell you. So for most of the part, it was her telling her dad and she felt so proud to share with him what he was, what she was doing in class. Hmm. And then to that, I saw that dad actually relax and he thought, I thought you were just going to tell me my daughter was dumb. I thought you were just going to tell me my daughter's wasting time. You know, he was Mm. so negative. He had a mindset already established. Yeah, so I'm I'm grateful that that dad taught me something Mm. because we 
encourage all of our children to say something, but obviously when parents don't give you time at home, maybe that 15 minutes in the classroom is the only time that they can shine. Mm. So whether they do it in their own language, actually it's better if they do it in their own language. So then parents actually feel at ease because the bottom line is if parents, you if you don't make any statement or just to say, please help me understand, then we will only expect that you get the report, which I have to be honest is a whole lot of teacher jargon, a whole lot of teacher language, and it's not supposed to be that way. It should be so that our parents understand what they are getting in school and what your children are doing well in. So what do you think, where, where does the responsibility lie in creating a safer and more approachable relationship between the home and the school? For me personally, I love home visits as much as I've been told I shouldn't be doing it. Well, I teach in South Auckland, but I also believe that if we don't build that bridge and we don't tell our families we're here for the reason of building up their child, mm. then there's the, the barriers will still stay up there. And we're not there to judge. We're hoping that we're not there to judge. We're there to help build that family. We're there to help just give them that helping hand. And most importantly is to give our parents a voice to be able to say, I don't want that for my child. All I do want is this. And when the parents tell you what their end goal is, it might be different to what the child is after, but at least the conversation has started. Yes. And hopefully you are there to support the child to say, well, actually, mum, I don't want to go to university. I want to use my hands. Things make sense to me when I'm building with my hands mm. as opposed to just reading it from a book. So those conversations are so key. And it's just a matter of breaking down the barrier to allow them to be able to say, look, okay, let's talk about it. Beautiful. Well, thank you. So, Neil, um, we're just going to have a little musical break. Mm. Then we'll come back for your closing statement. How does that sound? That sounds awesome. So, thank you, everyone. Um, This is one of Neil's favourite songs. Mm. I remember when her and Susan performed this at a church talent quest. So, Neil, this is for you by Sisters Underground in the Neighbourhood. Let's go, girls. If I don't pretty soon, I think I'll go with you. Every day seems like the same old thing. 
Everyone ready? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All, All right. right. All right. Thank you, everyone. So um, we're just going to give um, Neil the last five minutes just to round up her story and to give us a leave here or takeaway message. Oh, thank you. Right, what I'd like to end off with, and I'm a visual learner, so I'm going to give you a visual to think of. Think of a three-legged stool, right? And each leg... If you remove one, the stool will topple over, right? So the seat represents the child or your student or your your baby that's attending school. Each of those legs have very important parts. So obviously the parent is one of those legs, whether you be a caregiver or whether you be um, the adult that's responsible for that child, that leg is important. It needs to stay there and it needs to be involved. The next leg is the teacher, the classroom teacher. That second leg is the person that will teach the child according to the the curriculum or what's been expected of that child for their learning at that age. The third, and this can be interchangeable with uh, a church group or with the curriculum because everybody now has an option of not just going to a public school. There are charter schools out there. There are private schools out there, but it's whatever education system that you plan to give your child. Those three legs are really crucial. Remembering that if you remove any one of those legs, the chair will topple over and it will be no good. Therefore, your child will not be supported through schooling. And so my takeaway this time is success, right? What does it look like? It's different for everyone. I've taught um, um, autistic children in my class, and I'm saying this because this mother taught me such an important lesson. When she came to see me and I asked her, what goals do you have for your child in school? 
first of all, love the idea of that. I love the opportunity to teach her son. And she said, I just want him to be happy. When he comes to school and he leaves school, he's always happy. So the goal for mum was socialising skills and to be able to fit in and make friends. She didn't care if he was at a curriculum level. She didn't care if he was learning to write his name, which he did by the end of the year, and he could count to 10. But more importantly, she was grateful that he was happy. Hmm. So success for everyone is different, and when a teacher and parent can come together with those goals in mind, the child will blossom and become the best that they can be. Hmm. So finally, I just want to pay homage to the teachers who through my life gave me the drive to want to further myself and believe in myself, but more importantly, to strive for my own success. For now, after yeah, Maureen says 30 years, I don't feel I'm that old, but maybe I am that old. Yeah, okay, 30 plus years in the education system and a mother of four, I have taken on a lot of learning in my journey because it's all reciprocal. I'm not doing this all on my own. Mm. I'm teaching and I'm learning at the same time with every new group of children that I work with every year. I pay homage to the teachers like Mrs. Sweetman from Papatoetoe High and Mr. Rikiana from Glenview Primary School and, um, gee, um, Mrs. Haydock. I tried to find her. She was the one teacher from Papatoe Intermediate that kind of kicked me in my pants when I was trying to show a little bit of I wanted to do things my way and she's like oh no you don't miss Papuliai you are going to and I love that kind of teacher. Is that how that, she sounded? That, no she sounded nicer actually she was really nice and kind but um, having said that those teachers shaped me to be who I am today and I pay homage to them I thank them from the bottom of my heart um, for yeah, allowing before me. Before you finish off oh, sorry. there's one important question I forgot and it's mm. my fault as um, the interviewer COVID-19 mm. has really impacted on students so um, what is some advice you can give to the parents who are trying to support their students given also it's exam time mm. as a parent what is your advice to the other parents or caregivers in supporting their children for exams or for study, given this uh, COVID-19 environment? I would say, because I also have a daughter who is currently year 12 and studying level twos, which is, I understand, a really tricky year. Mm. Believe in them and tell them that these trying times are only here for a short, brief, brief time, that they, if they go through with the process and they do their best... It will only be for their own benefit that you have their support and that you are willing to do all their fiels for them while they are studying. They should not have fiels while oh, they yes. are studying. <clears throat> that, that too. But um, that the fact that you, if they need the time, give them the time. If they need a break, give them that break. But then also that it's on them and their shoulders that they do the best for themselves because it's their name on that certificate, not ours. And so with that that hopefully will give them the push to do for themselves what they should. I really enjoyed what you said about, you know, for each child, each student, maybe a very different journey. One mm. may say, I love 
to work with my hands as a carpenter, as a, a designer, an engineer. Someone else might say, I actually would love to drive a bus mm. oh. as a career. And someone else might say, actually, I, I enjoy writing or mm. acting. And these kinds of careers are something that I know my parents would say, no, you're going to university, you're going to be a doctor, you're going mm. to be a lawyer. Mm. So I think it's also opening our um, minds as parents to say, you know, our children have a diversity of talents and gifts given to them by God. So we support, we encourage, we love. Absolutely. Lead with love and kindness, yeah? Thank you, yeah. So do you have any last things before we go into our um, announcements and shout-outs? Yeah. No, well, um, I would just, a final word for parents try and I know it's really difficult and maybe some teachers don't even want you to ask questions but I encourage you ask. Girl, go up to the school, call that number and say I am the mother of so and so, I would like to talk to somebody about this. Mm. And it doesn't have to sound like you're, you're um, being confrontational, it's just you just want clarity and you it's have okay every to have right that. as a parent. Yes. So you're not going there to beat anyone up. No, <laughs> that's not what we're saying here on IQ on air. It's saying you don't have to have a degree. You don't have to be the brainiest person in the room to establish your right to mm. go to the school because if that teacher is an amazing teacher like so many teachers they want you to talk to them they do. about what you two together like this three-legged stool can do to help empower your child mm. in these studies amen all right so let's turn to announcements and shout outs maureen Yay. what's happening what's guess coming what? up guess what guess what what's what this saturday mm-hmm. the 28th of <gasps> november <gasps> At 10 a.m., we are unveiling Love from the Indigenous Queen 2020. Wow. Now, if you're a member of the IQ Talanoa Facebook page, Mm -hmm. awesome. You have seen all the updates. If you're not a member, well, you are free, more than um, free to come and join us so that you can be updated. So this is a book that we've been working on this year as a way to share um, the impact of COVID-19 in our lives. Mm -hmm. Many of the Mm -hmm. poems are from first-time poets. And some poems are old ones that were written, you know, back in the day when we hated on our exes and and (laughs) on life in general. But we've reworked them during the COVID-19 lockdowns. So we have at least 76 poems, if if I remember correctly, and some artwork that Mm. we have been Mm -hmm. gifted by 18 wow. amazing poets and artists within IQ Talanoa family. Mm. And they have gifted these creations and we have published them in an amazing book. And I'd just like to, um, I've actually got the book in my hands, but no one else has seen it. So close your eyes, Neil, you're oh, not meant wow. to see this. But um, we are launching this book what next Saturday, the 28th. Mm. At 10 a.m. at the MIT Pacific Community Centre. All right. Now, our next show will actually share a lot of um, the content in this book. Mm. But I just wanted to thank the Ministry for Women and the Ministry for Pacific Peoples. And last but not least, our beautiful Bonnie Brown of 
I think it's Bond Studio in Wellington. She is this graphic artist right. and um, illustrator, and she was so kind to make our amazing cover, so I can't wait to unveil it. But that's next Saturday, 28th of November, 10 a.m. at the MIT Pacific Community Community Centre. So same bat time and same bat channel, Sunday the 13th of December 2020 is our next show from 6 p.m. on Planet FM 104.6. Where we are going to be able to, will we be able to read some poems? In Absolutely, that time? we'll be able to read some of the IQ poetry book, content? IQ poetry yep. book content. Oh my gosh, that was a. And what's the name of our book? Love, Love from the, the Indigenous, Indigenous Queen Twenty Twenty. I'm so excited, I can't sleep. Okay, I can't sleep, but I'm so excited that I keep waking up and wishing it was the 28th (laughs) of November already. So, Neil, as we come to the last four minutes of our program today, now we have two shows in December, Mm. Sunday the 13th of December and Sunday the 27th of December. Mm. So we invite you through our IQ Talanoa page on Facebook to write any shout-outs oh. for um, the 27th of December show. Right. It can be to someone within your home, someone across the country, or somebody right, right. overseas. I just want to give some shout-outs to our listeners in Australia. Love you all so much for your support. Shout-outs also to our listeners in America, or mm. 2.5 of you. <laughs> and shout-outs to our listeners in Samoa, and of course in our beautiful land of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Now, if you miss the live show, of course, you can go to planetaudio.org.nz forward slash IQ Talanoa and listen to our podcast any time. So, Neil, we have really run a good show today and we hope we get some feedback because we might think we're cool, but... (laughs) We appreciate any feedback you can put on our Facebook page to let us know how we can better improve. If you'd like me to sing live on air or want to see me dance, we can Facebook live it, something (laughs) like that. But we don't want to get sued for any um, distress we might cause you. Right. Wow. Is there any last things I might have missed that we need to share? I think um, just one point I didn't touch on Mm -hmm. was being an ESOL learner. Right. right, so I was... You have a minute. Oh, so when you do have a person that doesn't speak English as their first language, or if they do have English but it's their third or fourth language, speaking slowly does not necessarily... And loudly. Make, yeah, it doesn't make a difference. Mm. It's being repetitive. So if there's anything that you're... You know, just like you're teaching a two-year-old, you go near the fire, you say, no, don't, don't. So the more repetition of something that you're trying to teach them, that's the key thing. Repeat, rip it, rip it. And like Tolfinger says, don't be a frog and rip it, it. But you actually have to because repetition will help. And repetition will help in terms of learning and retention if you're also kind. That's true. The way you deliver a message will also help as well. Right on. And it says we are done with our time. That can't be right. That's beautiful. We are done with our time. All right. Love you all. See you. Thank you so much, everyone. See you next time.